You're listening to Tango Uncorked. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tango Uncorked. I am your host, Adam Hoopengardner, and I am happy to be back this week with a very interesting person. His name is Wei Wang, and I've known this gentleman for over 10 years. And as you'll hear in the interview or the chat we are about to uh, share with you, his first milonga was the very first Malaleche, interestingly enough. So he was a student at Hunter College while I was teaching tango there going back over 10 years ago. And uh, I remember when he arrived, he was very enthusiastic. Uh, he had a dance background. He took to tango very quickly. And over the years, I've seen him here and there. He's been to Cleveland several times. In fact, we didn't really talk about it, but the I think it was last year he missed his flight. He went to the wrong airport and um, came the next day on Saturday for one day only, left Sunday. That's how passionate he is about the t Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon, and I believe we should all be that passionate about it. So how has everybody been this week? It's been a wonderful fall weather week. We had some rain on Tuesday. Yesterday was beautiful. Today is looking to be the same. Uh, this weekend, Sharon and I are going down to Atlanta, Georgia to the Dirtbag Tango Weekend hosted by April Parker. It will be dancing, it will be hiking and climbing, getting dirty, and more dancing. I'll teach a class tomorrow evening. Mike Eblen will be DJing the milonga. I haven't seen him in a very long time, so I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to the fall in general. The holidays are coming. Next Wednesday, we are having a holiday Halloween party at Tango Cafe, as it's the day before the official holiday. I think there are a lot of holiday festivities coming up. I know the All Night Milonga will be having a Halloween party this weekend as well. Not much else to report. I do want to tell you, if you are a little weary about the length of these podcasts, that's okay. You can take your time with them. But Way is going to tell you how he got into tango. And it is a funny story, and it's around the 38th minute of this podcast. It's not necessarily how he literally got into tango, but it's what led him to become more curious about dance and music outside of China. Uh, he was raised in China until the age of eight during a time when it was a very closed country, and communism, communism, communism was uh, was a was it was huge i mean nowadays it, it, the the country has changed a lot economically it's opened its borders uh economically but when he was a child it was a very different place and um it's a funny story and uh, i'm glad he was on the show part of the reason i had him on the show was just because every time i see him post something on facebook it's just kind of random and interesting and quirky he's a very interesting guy um he enjoys his whiskey as you will hear um and many, many other things. If you like the show, please subscribe. Uh, send me a message. If there's anything you'd like, you know, some people, I see at Milongas and they say like, oh, why don't you ask this? Why don't you ask that? If there's anything you'd like me to ask people, shoot me a message. I will probably not have a show next week because I will be away this weekend. But uh, we'll have more for you. And then I'll take a little break during the holidays. I think that's it. All right. Please enjoy the show with Wei Wang. <laughs> 
Check one, two. I'm here with Wei. <laughs> All right, hold on. We heard that. What do we have here, Wei? Uh, we have some whiskey. We have some water of life. Laws Whiskey House. Uh, specials, uh, no, Sickles Straight Rye. It's actually a gift, so it's, I'm not too familiar with it. Mm -hmm. But it is, it's quite good. Uh, but it is by far the best sounding cork in it my is a collection. Good it's cork. a cork. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give it's me one sec. So, I'm here with Wei, who uh, I've learned this past week or two ago when you were at Malaleche that you are a bit of a whiskey connoisseur or is it scotch or is it bourbon or is it all the same uh, or i mean are they all even to you yeah i, I kind of jumped into whiskey about like four to six months ago and i went in deep so oh. i kind of um learned a lot uh, -huh. uh all i have a little bit of all five regions of scotland japanese l starting to learn into bourbon a little bit uh you know i wasn't really a fan of bourbon at the beginning but now i'm kind of a little bit of a convert so what would you say is the... I know a little bit about... I mean, I know what I like. Yeah. Let me put it that no, way. No, well, that's the most important thing. How would you categorize the differences between whiskey and bourbon? And not just by region, but I mean by flavor, I guess. Or would you categorize it by flavor? How would you categorize it? Um, I feel like overall it's like a, it's like a sensual experience, right? You're, it's something to do with the senses, like cologne... Mm -hmm or you know food or any, any anything else that has to do with senses right and this is something that's uh, it's, a, it's a matter of taste and so you have ter personal preferences but um, there's definitely conventional differences between let's say a scotch any scotch and a bourbon right and a rye and a right. and you know irish and japanese or whatever that's right? true yeah and so you sort of you learn the differences between these things and then you sort of narrow down into what you actually prefer because at the end of the day it's all about preferences correct and you started with jumped in the whiskey uh did you prefer irish more than american scotch scotch for sure um so the whole whiskey thing came from a an, an ex uh girlfriend of mine who got me into Johnny Black, which is like a standard, very popular blended whiskey. And Johnny Black is Irish, no? No, Scotch. It's a blended Scotch. Oh, it's Scotch. A Scotch. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So Jameson is the most popular Irish whiskey. Uh-huh. And then... I've had Green Spot. I've had Yellow right. Spot. That's it was actually, in Ireland a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, but that's actually less known and le less popular in that, terms that of taste really profile. Good. It's very good. It was really good. Really nice whiskey. We got whiskey. a bottle for, at the Duty Free for the way home. Yeah. Because we went to a place. We were in Dublin. Sharon had a, a convention. Mm -hmm. uh, a conference. Sorry. And one night we went out to a whiskey bar and did some flights and oh yeah, and I noticed for me like Irish whiskey burns a lot more. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Again, it's preference. It's, it's central. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, sure, uh, sure, uh, sure. Then like American whiskeys don't tend to burn as much for me. Jameson, not so much. It's just, yeah, Jameson sort of yeah. starting like middle yeah. of the road kind of thing is uh -huh. for everybody. Um, but for me, Irish whiskey has like a like the Jameson characteristic. For me, the only way I can describe it is sort of metallic mm. finish or something like that, some sort of something metallic to it, which I don't really prefer. Um, I th I like some of the Jameson uh, offshoot brands, so like the the, the black or the uh, stout cask finishes and things like weird weird Jameson variations. Right. I like those. I never actually tried those. Yeah, they're they're pretty well. They're pretty affordable, so mm -hmm. it's not like a scotch, just like an eighty dollar scotch or something like that, right? right. So. Um, I think bourbon generally are the cheapest because they're only aged two to th four years for a straight bourbon. 
Um, but scotches are like 8, 10, 12 years. And so, you know, it takes a lot more to make a scotch. And that's why it's so expensive. You know, a friend of mine, we had dinner at a friend's place the other day, and he gave me a bottle of Macallan 10 when we were leaving. He's like, I don't drink scotch. Mm. And Dr. Mike, yep. who's been on this show, actually, actually the friend who gave me this that scotch was also on the show, mm. Jason. Uh, and I was like, well, of course I'll take this home. It's a free <laughs> bottle of scotch. And Mike drinks Macallan 12. Oh, okay. And I got to say, there is a big difference between just those two years. I'm not a huge fan of the 10. No. It tastes almost stale. Really? Maybe it's just that particular bottle. Was it old? Was it, was it an old bottle? Is it like almost so. finished, or is it still? No, it was brand new. It brand was new. Not okay. Open. It was just interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, y- you have the the foundational profile, right? You have the basic, you know, things of a of a whiskey. So Scotch malt, malt whiskey, right? That's that's the most popular thing. It's single malt. Mm-hmm. And malt barley has a particular profile, whereas you have the American, you know. Uh, grain whiskeys, which is like, you know, it's got to be at least 51% corn or something like that. Don't quote me on it. I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. But it has to be that for a bourbon, right? right? And that will create a standard characteristics on which you can then build for your taste profile and your aging, your wood that you're, you know, aging it in or anything mm-hmm. like that. You're building on top of that. And you also blend your own, right? Yeah. So I started, I mean, like I said, I went in deep, man. I went in deep. So... <laughs> I mean, I don't plan on buying a lot of the bottles again, um, but I have enough to host a bunch of whiskey parties, I guess. <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm that self-proclaimed whiskey guy that just brings whiskey because, you know, I have it and it's good to share with people, Yeah. you know, and if people are interested, I know a little bit more and I help people pick whiskeys that they might be interested in. And, you know, I, I like that. I enjoy that. Um, but yeah, like. So there's a couple of things I did. I, I have one bottle, an Infinity bottle, with 52 different whiskeys in it. And not all of them I this bought. Is, you made this Infinity. This yeah, I like made this. what we used to call the suicide. <laughs> as a kid, you'd go to the soda fountain machines. Yeah. Oh, you mix do. Mix all the sodas. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine how well that tastes. Oh, it's just sugar. I mean, yeah. all, at the end of the day. Yeah. But um, so you have the suicide version of this. Kind of. Way. But right. it, you've made it balanced. Well... I tried, I did it by mistake. I just, I was just pouring whatever I didn't want to finish into a bottle. Hmm, okay. And I made a small bottle at the beginning that was um, very good, like surprisingly good. And then I screw that up. Hmm. And then ever since I've tried to recreate that bottle and I can't, right? But I'm like, okay, screw it. Uh, let me just add all the whiskey that I, that I have. And I'll, I'll buy like those small sampler bottles that you, you know relatively cheap so you don't have to spend a full price right, for right. a whiskey and you'll add some of that in there just so you have it so you can increase the numbers for for i guess bragging rights uh, but at the end of the day like you know one or two whiskeys will always dominate hmm. and then you sort of you know build your whiskey around that and so if i'm going to a party and i know you know people don't really uh know the whiskeys like are not a whiskey drinkers right I'll, I'll choose a blend that's a little bit more friendly, right? And if I'm going to somewhere where I know people will drink whiskey, like, you know, people around here are uh, actually a lot of islet lovers, so they like that smoky, peaty mm-hmm. uh, scotch profile, I'll put a dash of that in there for them, just hmm. so, you know, it's, it makes it a little bit more interesting, right? Interesting. But um, the other experiment that I've had is that you get a bottle of 
Everclear, 95%. So it's 95% grain alcohol. And then you buy some, a bag of wood chips. And then you just let that sit in there and marinate for a month. And then you have 95% <laughs> alcohol whiskey. Because it's technically whiskey. Huh. Yeah. Did you... Is this something you just came up with? or? Well, I mean, you... like... No, actually, uh, a co-worker yeah. of mine <clears throat> knew that I got into whiskey. Mm-hmm. He has a friend that sells olive oil. Yeah. And for whatever reason, this buddy of theirs... sells olive oil. Yeah, they, a buddy of their, uh, his who sells olive oil decided to sell a jar, a mason jar with a prepackaged wood chip and instructions on how to use Everclear to make whiskey, right? And it's just a, it's just a novelty thing, right? right? And I kind of pulled the trigger because I was in that creative mode of like, let me experiment what this is like. It is straight up fire. Yeah. It is so much fire. I bought a bottle. At, I was in Pennsylvania a couple of years ago and I went to a liquor store and they had jars of moonshine. And I mm. thought, oh, you know, how novel. Yeah. And I bought one and I think... I had like a shot. Maybe I mixed a little bit with some soda, and yeah. then I just ended up getting rid of it because it was just so it's too much. Too much, yeah. But what I think, though, I haven't tried it yet because I've been letting letting it marinate. Is taking a low proof whiskey, something that I like, for example, you know, uh, Glen Glen Fiddick Twelve, a Scotch, a very light Scotch, or mm-hmm. maybe something something of the bourbon variety that's a little bit low proof. You know, more mass market stuff. Uh, Maker's Mark or something like that. And then I would basically up-proof a whiskey that I like mm-hmm. and see if it will turn out more interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's, it's just an experiment. I'm yeah. probably not going to do it again, but right. you know, it's just something that's interesting. It's uh, chemistry. It's very fun. This one here is a rye. It's, it's a rye. It's kind of sweet. Ryes tend to be. Um, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it doesn't have like, as much bite as some of the other ryes that I've tried. Um, and I was, at, I was at an office party, for example, and, uh, you know, they had a few selections, so you could do, like, free alcohol at the office party, right? And they, they had Mitger's rye. Oh, I've had that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fantastic rye mm-hmm. to do old fashions with. It's so much more character than, let's say, a bullet rye, mm-hmm. which is very popular, but it's a little bit more calm, right? So, uh, I, 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 because we had free alcohol, so it's like all the girls like, oh, you know whiskey. Let me, let me know what should we try. I, I told them to try Mitger's rye in an old fashioned, and they all loved it. One of the girls went home and bought a bottle because, mm-hmm. because like it's just so so much more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I do my old fashions not with rye though because I'm not a, I'm not into sweet old fashions. Well, uh, what do you do with? Um, I've got to think back. I haven't had one in a long time. No. Yeah, I don't do the you, cocktails lately. You know what got me into old fashions? Hmm. Tangle bowling. <laughs> I mean, this is a tango podcast after all. Well, let's let's bring it back just slightly. Yeah, the no, fir- we will. The, we, we, we will. Planning yeah, on no, it. the first time I ever went, I drove up there, uh-huh. right, and the, you know the the bar on the side of of uh, my my house or my house or my house. I've, right. I've come over uh, the years to. I'm, I'm. How do you say it? I think it's. I used to say my house, but yeah. um, I've learned. I think it's my house. Right, and and I don't know who the bartender was, but. You know, as somebody recommended, go check out an old fashioned, and I did, and I was loving it. I was mm-hmm. having a good time drinking and dancing. So I was like, "That's kind of how I got into old fashions." That was probably Emily. She was the she was one of the original owners. I think she still is, but um, yeah, she was one of the first bartenders too. Yeah. So um, did we introduce you yet? I always I, I don't remember. I'm going to introduce you before, but I'm going to introduce you properly. I'm here with Wei Wong, who I've actually known for quite some time now. 
Yeah. It's the Hunter College days. Hunter College days. Tuesday yes. days. It's it's ten years this year. I mean, it's it's been it's almost the year is almost over, but it's ten years since you started or the clubs. Yeah. No, 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 since I started. Okay. Because I have a text message on Facebook to you, ten years ago, asking you. Where can I go to dance? And that was my first Moanga. You told me Saturday here, and uh, I came. It was like March fifth or something like that. Well, that was probably right when we started Saturdays too. Yeah, you know, it was your first Saturday. It was before it was called Malaleche. It was, oh, your, it was your Tango Cafe Weekend Cafe edition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. A Saturday edition. And it was really small. It was like five people yeah. in both rooms. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> People I, still talk no, to me I, about I it sat right here by myself in the room. Like the, com- <laughs> the room was completely empty. I sat. No, this is this is my. And first you're like, Honda. why the fuck did this guy? No, 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 no. This is my first Honda, and, I, and it's cool. I sat there by the window. I was kicking my feet to the music, and one of the ladies walked in. You know, she must have been dancing before. You know, and she says she's come up and says to me, "You look like you're having fun. You're just not dancing. Would you like to dance?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And so we just walked around for like you know a couple songs, and mm-hmm. and that's basically what I did all night. I was just walking around this this room all night. It was so great because there's no pressure. There's no one here. Yeah. Right. And that, so like that's 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 yeah. That does that is true though. Like if you were to have attended a crowded milonga your first time, those conditions yeah, that's a lot a of pressure. Yeah, sure, sure. So in a way, I was like lucky that you started this new thing. And then that was my first Milan, because I know that Tango Cafe was pretty well attended at that time, right? It was, uh, the, the Saturday one took a while, took a little bit to, to sort of build up over mm-hmm. time. Yeah, well, even Tango Cafe, but we had been in our third or fourth year by then, so we had spent that time building it up. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember, because you started right after the club kind of died at Hunter, Really? Yeah. It was it, it well, was really big the first two or three, even four years when Kat okay, so and then, Eric ran it. So then I probably don't remember. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know that. We did. I know it that they in, were there. Uh, Thomas Hunter three hundred two, in like the old building. Yeah, yeah. There's like a fake bar where they have like college parties. Oh, the bottom floor. Yeah, I know. We, I and we did it there for a long time, and that room was always packed. Oh. And then the, you know, the people okay. in charge changed, and okay. they weren't putting in the time and the effort to promote it so much. Which is understandable. Yeah, yeah. And so I think you started around the time. But I really liked uh, the group we had when you started. It was Victoria. It was Finn. It was, um, yeah. I can't think of the one kid. Sean. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's small. small, Shay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shay. She's got a child now, I believe. No, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was small enough. I kind of remember everybody in it. But it was a good group. Like, it was a focused group. Yeah, it was. When I say good, I mean they were really focused. Um, And then... And I remember you and Finn kind of butted heads in the beginning. Do you remember that? I don't even know what <laughs> well, that was about. I feel like nothing, nothing like crazy at all. No, not crazy. No, not at all. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't like drama or anything. But I felt because I come from a background of performance dance, uh, ballet, modern hip hop, all the other you know performance styles, and because you know the first four years I was purely nuevo for like ninety nine percent of the time. Um, Back in those days, it was like that one Bajo Fondo track that was just like everybody, all the students loved. Mm-hmm. But Finn was pretty adamant about walking to traditional music for the first two weeks. So I think there was just like, eh, I kind of want to do more while I'm here, you know. Uh, but that's it's just, just like being a new dancer. You're hungry for what you want. I thought it was great because this happened sort of recently a few years ago in State College where we teach. Mm. I think competition is always good. It kind of drives people, yeah, and yeah. not and you know not to like not, kill not, each yeah, other, exactly. but yeah. 
But when I when I up until that point, Hunter Tango was really great. It was big. It was small. It was big. We kept changing. But then when you have like two sort of like, I wouldn't say alpha males, but like two guys <laughs> that are kind of competitive, I thought you know this is going to be good for the club because these guys are going to want to kind of out. Yeah, but you know, I, you know, like you saying that though, I never felt it while I was there. Because, like, he was definitely the student teacher for one of the days, and then you mm. came in on a Friday, I think, right? So I think he taught on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Or vice versa. Yeah, I think I did Tuesday. Yeah, Friday, I, whatever, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. But, yeah, anyways, you came in one day of the week, and then and he taught one of the other days of the week, and there was, like, two classes, I think, for each of the days or something like that. Um, so he was instituting this in his class, this, like, walk. Yeah, which was, it was just doing more, and then, like, you know, I felt that um, you know, a lot of the new people that's coming into the club probably wouldn't understand what this is all about and they would just like okay we're walking for an hour and then they would you know the college students we get bored and we leave <laughs> yeah. you know we're busy with our finals or whatever and and so i was like okay let, you know i kind of wanted to play more of the the nuevo music because at least it's more interesting it's more relatable right um just to get people you know to stay because there was a couple of people that came and I enjoy dancing with them with whatever limited thing that we were doing at the time, but and then but like they would they would go away after a while. So you know that that's kind of more what it was. But at the time, I never felt like I was um, trying to like compete with him in right. that sense, in like you know like dance off oh, or I anything see, I like see. that. Yeah, that's cool. I I just felt because in state college a couple of years ago there was a similar not maybe not similar at this from what it sounds like, but this one guy who was like better level and then another mm. guy was pretty good and then they they wanted they to kind yeah. of they also became close friends but i could see yeah, that that's they good yeah no but i could see that they were also because i feel this way like with yeah. peers in my oh, whatever yeah, sure. where i'm dancing and i have a friend like mark husner who used to live in philly or xavier and yeah it's not that i don't i mean we're actually close friends but we kind of like use each we feed off each other yeah, so yeah what are you yeah. working on what are you yeah, working yeah, on or yeah. it's it's inspiring in a way it can be competitive but in a healthy way yeah in a that's all way. i was trying to say yeah. i don't really know the dynamic you guys shared i just remember like i was a very young teacher at the time myself i mean i was probably <laughs> 25 you know going oh, back 10 man. 12 years and feeling like oh i don't know if i can if something happens i don't know how i'm gonna handle it because i'm really? also figuring out how to <laughs> no, manage man, that's, you know that's, that's like you know from my perspective at the time like you're you got yourself handled like you're well i kind of which did, is but. which yeah but like but that's the that's as a teacher you want that perception from yeah. your students right you know because yeah. like i never thought anything otherwise but you teach now right yeah i do and you i'm not sure about your other uh life outside of tango oh yeah which i'm curious about but you work around here. Yeah, so I work. Are in, you in a teaching capacity there as well, or no, is that a different no, thing? No, not at all. So Only in tango. Are you a teaching capacity? Officially, and officially. In whiskey. And skiing. And skiing. Kind oh, of. How many times have you broken your leg? <laughs> only once. I only broke my ankle. Oh. For the record, I only broke my ankle once. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but you broke. But no, but I just I just hurt myself a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I think pretty much everybody on Facebook during the ski season are just like waiting for that post yeah. of like, oh, I here screwed we go up. Again. Yeah, here we go again. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Okay, so I was gonna before we moved on from the teaching, I wanted to ask you because um, as you teach more, you walk, you you are always going in situations where, as you said, like the teacher needs to show that they have everything under control yeah but at the same time there's a lot of it is on the job training oh yeah you know so oh um, yeah I'm, now i'm teaching almost 15 years so i've kind of been through almost every scenario from from the student who tries to degrade you in front of everybody else just to see how yeah. you react yeah 
to students who have this sort of inner turmoil and you're just trying to keep everything. Yeah. Um, I've had a student like just yell at me because <laughs> well, he was an angry crossed. old man, you yet. know. So I'm just curious about what your situations have been like or if there's anything you can think of well, that you've learned I mean, from or had so to sort of control. I, I don't know. I don't know when I – because, okay, so for the record, uh, I was uh, – Adam's Adam's my first teacher, so mm-hmm. just for the people who are listening. So I, I was uh, learning from him uh, 10 years ago, right, mm-hmm. just so everybody uh, – the listeners will know. Um I've only been sort of teaching, quote unquote, in this last little while, and it and it's sort of like, uh, I don't, I barely feel comfortable with that word until more recently. I feel like I, you know, I don't really broadcast it so much. I don't tell people when I go traveling or I'm go da- go out dancing. Um, but in in more recent times, um, I do feel like I'm starting to get a better ha- better handle at it. Uh, but my sort of role there it's it's a uh, you know the the school is a lot high turnover it's a groupon shop mm, right see, so yeah. it's I'm, I'm also i'm only teaching for the most part uh, level one beginners so it's all new people to the dance right um i know i know when i was studying with you it, you did a lot of that beginner classes and i think now you're doing more structured seminar stuff mm-hmm. right and so I always say see new people every couple of weeks or every six to eight weeks mm. right um, and so I do find my own way eventually, and I feel decently comfortable, although I haven't had anyone yell at me in, in the middle of class. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly been a learning opportunity there. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, and, and for me, you know, because I am an introvert and I've never been very good at talking to people. You're an introvert? Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so. Um, well, you're good at pretending you're not when you're pretending you're well, not i'm not pretending this yeah, is the weird you know thing. like this is the weird thing i feel like there's i'm more of an i think over the years of becoming more of an introvert but i've definitely was i would say classic extrovert and yeah. when you're at least when you're out and about and i see you you're very sociable you're very outgoing you're not the guy sitting in the corner except for maybe that malaleche when you're tapping your feet but in general <laughs> you come right over you strike up a conversation yeah, well, I, I've just developed a comfort to be able to do that over okay. the years, right? So, um, you know, because w- so I grew up, I was born in China, moved to England, Canada, and then eventually to the States. And hmm. throughout my childhood, you know, because we moved around so much, um, I never really had those long formed bonds with friends, you know? And so uh, making friends was kind of difficult. Talking to people was kind of difficult. Nothing too crazily hard. But uh, if we ended up talking about something and I'm interested in it, I'll talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've, I never felt that comfort just to go up to someone and say, hey, what's going on? Or even, like, asking people what the time is on the street. Uh, and so I kind of – it was in college. I forced myself to do that by getting a job as a comedy uh, flyer guy in the middle of Times Square. Huh, I so did that I, too I, a little bit. Yeah, I had to talk to people six to eight hours a day wow. right, and come up with my own methods of how to engage people uh, that I'm comfortable with, right? And it's just, you know, sort of challenging yourself to do that. And over the years, you know, I learned about um, – so interestingly, it's nothing that I actually – ended up working for me, but I, I was looking into, like, the, the pickup artistry a game thing. There was, mm-hmm. like, a whole book, book and a whole and that, TV yeah. show on VH1 or MTV or something like that. 
Um, at the end of the day, what I took away from learning some of that stuff, it's all about communication. Mm -hmm. It's a tool. Communication is a tool. You can right. use it for good or evil or whatever you, whatever you want. But at the end of the day, uh, the same thing that you do in the boardroom, on a date, uh, in the classroom, in, on stage, you know, because I was trained in like, acting and stuff like that. It's all about communication. And so I was like, how can I be this person who's trained in acting and all that kind of stuff and, and suck at communication, right? I want to work on it. And so I learned more and more about all of these kind of things, um, and I really try to apply them in myself, right, over, over time. It's a very gradual progress, and so I'm yeah. not like this from before, but tango certainly as a dance, as a form, has helped me with my communication, uh, both verbally and non-verbally. So the teaching aspect, having been able to uh, help assist and eventually learning to teach, has helped me with my with my day job, right? So I'm working with uh, people who report to me, and we're working together, and you know, both reading them in terms of how their comfort level is, what they're into, what they're you know, if anything's going on with them at work, to how to you know better uh, communicate to them an idea, whether they're congratulating them for doing well or saying that here's something you need to improve upon. So. That whole teaching aspect and just working in general has helped me better read them and better communicate mm -hmm. uh, uh, whatever I need to communicate. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But no, have a sip. Have a sip. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, yeah, like um, I, I definitely think I'm uh, more on the introvert side than on the extrovert side because, like, I'll I'll go out and I'm probably the most you know energetic person in a in a club or something like that if we go to a club, but. At the same time, like, I'll be dead tired afterwards. I'm right. like, okay, just leave me alone. Right, 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 right. <laughs> do, you, do you like having the turnover in classes? Or would you rather, because um, now that you've brought up your background a little bit, it seems that it gets, would sort of suit you, uh, having grown up and born in China, England, Canada, and then settling here, sort of having, like, I love having the same body of students. We've had mm. some, some students for five years that's come almost every seminar. And it's great. It's nice because I can know them. I know what they're working on. I know what they want to work on. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I'm so used to that, that sometimes when I teach drop-in classes or, or just pre-milonga classes, I kind of don't know. I'm like, I don't know where to start, really. I'm just like, well, I don't know these people. I don't know right. what they want. Right. I don't like to predetermine an agenda, but you yeah. kind of have to in those situations. What else are you going to do? Well, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, yeah. and, and you, you have to have, like, a set, a base game plan. Right. And then a sort of my, my philosophy is to always adapt on top of that game plan, right? Absolutely. Um, and so... I think the turnover part of it, and that's kind of why I don't necessarily, you know, see myself as like a teacher. I kind of I kind of see myself as just an enthusiastic guy about tango mm -hmm. that hopefully will bring more people into. Well, I was going to ask you about that if that's sort of how you saw what you do too, because I feel teachers for beginners or whatever you want to call them, they're more like I don't want to say salesmen, but mm -hmm. you need to. We're trying to get people. Yeah. No. into doing something I, I, you know I we're trying it. to inspire them and in a, in a city like new york where they have so many millions of other yeah, options exactly and to to sort of not scare them off by saying well this will take the, your whole life <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 come for eight weeks and stay for the rest of your life <laughs> but at the same time getting them enthused yeah. about that this might take a while well you know? i mean so that's that's kind of the things right because like you know 
you guys do this all day, every day. You guys are out here, you know, banging it out all day, every day for all of the same people. All, you know, I think I would enjoy teaching in that environment, but also that's not where I'm at, nor necessarily where I want to go, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, my, my day job affords me, like, other things, like to be able to go skiing, mm-hmm. for example, right? And I don't have to worry about breaking my leg and then cutting off my income for like six months. Uh, yeah, I stopped. I mean, I only skied a little bit, but I don't do anything like that for that reason. Right, exactly. And I, and I know, uh, you know, many teachers avoid so higher risk uh, activities to make sure that they can continue to teach, which is their main source of income, mm-hmm. right? So I don't really have to worry about that where in my position, right? Um, but I do, I do enjoy meeting new people. And even though I feel like my evolution in terms of how I communicate changes very slowly, and you know I do try to you know I I would like more tips and things like that in terms of how I teach and how I communicate whatever, um, but I, I do enjoy the new faces. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you said this is through Groupon, so it's so it's a it's not it's any age. It's a mixed age. Yeah, mixed yeah, it's mixed age, mixed background. Some of them have danced salsa because. You know the school is very salsa heavy. I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to. Am I, am I, that's okay fine. To plug it, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so I, I work with Piel Canella. Yeah. They run out of uh, Pearl Studios on uh, you know 35th and 8th Avenue, and so they promote a lot of their beginner classes. They have a lot of classes. Hmm? They have a lot of yeah. Turnover I mean, it's because a it's of the a program the Groupon thing. Yeah, it's I mean it is a profitable business for them because they're doing very well, um, but it is very high turnover. So um, retention is definitely a, an issue, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like if I can get one person to stay, right, and that'll be great. But for me, though, it's not just a business retention thing because Tango has given me so much personally so that if this could help someone discover something about themselves personally, I think that's a win, right? Yeah. Because it's, a, it's such a, a life-changing thing if you go deep enough and if you, go, if you allow yourself to go there. It, it it can be very life changing for a lot of people. Yeah, and I mean anything can be. If you yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah, yeah. I mean it's just the avenue that I chose or I kind of you know happened upon. I, I think that, um, you know, it, it, not necessarily tango, but I think everybody should have something creative in their life. Uh, it doesn't have to be their profession. It can just be a hobby or something like that. But whatever that avenue is, painting, dancing, singing, karaoke, or whatever, mm-hmm. anything. Um, it it can help you to develop a side of you that you might not necessarily do on a nine to five, right? Or just hanging out with friends and just you know going to get a beer and talking or whatever. This is something that can develop area uh, part of yourself that's that's different. Uh, yeah, and it's something that because we live even in New York, but in just in general, we live in such a conventional sort of institutionalized expectation of the way life should be you know get a job yeah. have a family you know fill in all these boxes and yeah. you're you're going to be a well-rounded person but at the end of the day there's so much more outside of that that we're not aware we need and until you try stuff and take a peek into yeah. that window yeah. and you don't see where that could develop you as a person like you said yeah. with you getting into teaching helping you with communication oh, yeah. things like that and uh, anybody like i'm starting to write a little bit more now and it's just kind of interesting because I'll never think that way if I'm just sitting around thinking. But if I'm writing on a, right. just jotting stuff down, all of a sudden I'm like, you're more, you're, I can also keep my falling. line of thought because I can yeah. always look back and see what the hell <laughs> I was just thinking about because I tend to forget things nowadays more the, uh, than before. But 
Um, so no, I agree. Uh, art is the escape. I saw this like meme the other day. It was like art's what we do to keep real ourselves sane in reality or some. I don't know. One of these yeah, weird. Facebook I kind of I kind of get that just of yeah. that that idea. So you. Um, I, so I thought you were born and raised in Flushing, but no. No, no. China until I was eight years old. England for about three years or so. And then when Canada for six years got my Canadian citizenship, which nobody remembers that I'm a Canadian. Because <laughs> I always get like, did you vote this year? I'm like, nope, I can't. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, states for the longest period. So I've been here. Actually, it was like, Right before World Trade, hmm. yeah, I was I was living by the World Trade in a temp housing when my mom was located there by the company or whatever she was working for uh, during the anniversary of the original bombing. Oh, uh, the, the the one in the, the guy 90s. the truck yeah, or something yeah. like that. I'm not one too familiar the, with it. He was in the basement with yeah. the truck. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of freaky that like we were walking by that place every single day, and then we moved to Flushing, uh, and then that happened while I was in school. Hmm. So it was like pretty. Well, I think it was maybe more traumatic for her, but because I couldn't see anything, you know, it was just like everything was silent at school. Everyone was just like totally zombies. It's just like nothing's going on. You know, when I was, I remember I was at home when that happened because my girlfriend at the time was from Japan and she was, but she was in school in Cleveland yeah. and the, her parents called us and that's how we found out because we were sleeping hmm. and I knew it was a big deal, of course. But I also knew I wouldn't realize how big of a deal it was until like years later because I knew like history is going to create a context that that moment. Yeah. You know, it's not it's like where were you when JFK was assassinated? Right, right, where were right, you on right, D-Day? Right, right. I knew this was going to be that kind of moment yeah. for sure, obviously. Oh, yeah. But in the moment it happened, it's just like, oh, OK, this okay. happened. OK, I have to get out of school now. Everybody's released. We have to go home. Yeah. And you know, you're at home. Watching We're just like what? up having breakfast, like, okay. And yeah. then like so another plane. And then you're like, Jesus. And then there was a blackout a few months later. And we thought like, you know, the world yeah, is going to no. end. We're just like, what is happening? I remember that. I remember that. I walked from uh, the west side on like 72nd to Flushing on that day. Cause, yeah, the yeah. blackout in August. I yeah. mean, it wasn't immediately after. I think it was. It was a while after. It was like two years yeah, after. Yeah, but yeah. I was going to New yeah. Orleans for my first tango festival. Okay. And it was like black, like the whole drive. Wow. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, because that was the first thing anybody thought. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing anybody thought. And, uh, you know, it was, it was funny because I, I was like trying to call my mom and she's going to take the bus from Chinatown or something like that. I got a ride, thankfully. Um, I walked for like four hours and some, some guy gave a ride and say, saved me like 60 blocks. It was great. It was crazy, but, you know. So your mom was in... Lower Manhattan? Yeah, so, no, no, she, she works in, uh, she used to work in, But when in, it like, happened, was she in Lower Manhattan, or she was in Flushing like, at this like, point? No, 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 she's in Manhattan, sort oh, okay. of like uh, Houston, Varick Street, somewhere around there, like, not too far down, mm -hmm. but she could definitely, like, still see everything. Yeah, definitely. Right. Wow. You know, like, there, uh, um, like, she, she, there's, like, rumors in their company, like, when people, like, heard stuff was happening, people walked out in the street, and they were, like, seeing things happen, you mm -hmm. know, just, like, I can't imagine that, because no. that's, that's crazy crazy so i'm assuming where in china were you born uh wuhan so it's one of the biggest cities in china one of the five hot pots it gets really hot in the summer let's call mm -hmm. it the five hot pots uh it's on the yangtze river so there's two rivers top one's the yellow bottom one's the yangtze we're right in the middle of that um and luckily for me 
it's right between the uh, uh, what I call the noodle people and the rice people. Because up north, you get wheat, and then in the south, you get rice. And so we get the best of both worlds. We get noodles and rice. <laughs> That's how, exactly. Now you'll never forget that. No way. That's great. Because China is separated with like two different climate zones, right? And people don't think about it that way. But, you know, you That's say noodle big... people and rice people, people get that. It's like, oh, okay. They grow and wheat. This is, this is a saying. This is not. No, this is not a saying. This is my saying. Oh, this is your saying. This is my okay, saying. Okay. I, I don't know if this is kosher anywhere else, but this is how I, <laughs> how I sort of visualize it. And do you get back often? No, not not anymore. So, well, I mean, never really because, um, you know, the visa situations, I wasn't really sure how well I can be able to travel and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, nowadays as my grandparents are gone here and there, and so it's, it's more difficult to relate to that place, right? right so yeah. I left at such a young age. Yeah, you were my, eight, so that's... Yeah, my vocabulary is that of an eight, eight-year-old, basically. So my, my Chinese vocabulary, I can't... Uh, read or write anymore, uh, but I can get around. But I still kind of have the the hometown accent, so I can k- kind of get around. But I'm definitely a tourist when I'm over there. Like no one's six foot two. <laughs> oh yeah, this <laughs> is true. I'm a tall Asian. I'm a tall Asian dude. That's, a lot that's, of our guests know that. Yeah, no, I mean, not, is a six foot if you're two, if you're listening and you don't know me, I'm the six foot two Asian dude in the tango community. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, not to jump around too much, but yeah. I, I was remembering you said for the first few years you were like 99 percent. Or ninety percent nuevo. Oh yeah. And I wanted to ask you because everybody asks me, how would you define nuevo? Ah. And I, you don't have to answer right away. No, no, no. Because it I, took me forever. I'm like, ah. Oh, okay. Well, well, do you want to tell me your? Well, I'll, I'd like to hear yeah. what you have to say. Okay. First. So, okay. So, my background in dance is because. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna go back a little bit further. Okay. okay. I am here speaking to Adam. Because of uh, Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. If it was not I for my- <laughs> I'm I just want to say, I'm a huge fan of how the dots connect. Like, what led me from here yeah. to there to there. So I'm really glad that's how you started this story. <laughs> like, I'm here because of yeah. Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. I'm literally here because of Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. And this is how this goes. Let's go back a little bit further. I was eight years old. I was sick with a fever or something like that. And my mom gave me a mixtape with an actual cassette tape back in those days to cheer me up. I was in bed. I was just, like, you know, coughing and sneezing, all that kind of stuff. And she gave me a mixtape. On side A of that mixtape was all Chinese folk music. And in the middle of side B, out of nowhere... Was side B also folk music all, for the all, majority? All Chinese music. All Chinese pop, folk, like mostly folk music. Okay. I mean, this is like during like the communist era of like, you know, everything's like good with the war. All that kind of like famous, famous folk songs, right? Uh-huh. And in the middle of that was Smooth Criminal. <laughs> you have no idea how much my little eight-year-old mind was blown when you got... Had you, <laughs> had, you had heard music like this before? No, never heard anything like that. There was Chinese pop music at the time. Okay. Nothing like what it is now. Now, Chinese pop music has more taken much more yeah. you know, international influence. So you were like in a, kind of in a bubble. Absolute bubble. Ah. Absolute bubble. I mean, like the was Chinese... It, was it normal to, for people to be in a bubble like at that era and that time in the Oh, yeah, especially before the, the internet. government and the way things especially were? Especially oh, before the internet. It, 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 it's like, the, the way I say it is like, um, you know, like back in those days, people are just ignorant. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. right? And I remember very, very clearly back in those days, 
I saw like footage of uh, Africans in Africa with like tribes, you know, in dirt and stuff like that. And so we would talk about them as like they're living off of the earth, like farming and herding and things like that. We didn't know there were cities because they never showed us footage of people in Africa living in the cities. Hmm. Nor did I really see anybody like in Europe, like, you know, uh, Europeans outside of the few politicians that would show up on the main government channel, Hmm. right? Talking about news or something like that. So, you know, 10 years later, I go back there to the village. This is pre-internet. And um, my neighbors came up to me with a peanut can, right? A big can of peanuts. And on there was a white female uh, swimsuit model. Hmm. And they would just point it at it and says, (laughs) is this what white people look like? (laughs) And I had to say, no, it was like, this is, this is not what everybody else out there looks like. But, you know, after the internet and, you know, people watching Grey's Anatomy and all that kind of stuff, it's like the, the, the whole, you know, they're still very monoculture in the, in the, in the, in the, in the country, but I feel like exposure over time, it takes a long time to change culture, and over time, it has certainly you know opened up more. Yeah, sure. But smooth going, criminal. <laughs> going back to smooth criminal, <laughs> I, I also like th- the that story. that blew my mind. Smooth criminal blew my mind. I was I was I was like loved Michael Jackson music, like the dancing, like none of that stuff existed in China when I was eight, when I was still there. Um, and so, like, I would copy his moves in the middle of the living room, doing all this stuff. I did the same thing, man. I'm not kidding. I did a show in my garage for the neighborhood Everybody. kids where I danced, like, 20 Michael Jackson songs. Yeah. It got really boring after the first <laughs> 40 seconds. <laughs> because I had, like, two moves. But so, I did this in front of everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... Y- you know, it, I, I rented his like movie video, like music video movie thing that he had. He made there was like one, you know, VCR, and so that is what kind of showed my mom that I had an interest in performing arts, in mm-hmm. in like performance. You know, she put me in like one of the uh, the Chinese New Year uh, show, like variety shows or something like that, and I was like doing some sound effects, like pretending to be a car, and you know, you're a kid, you're just yeah. like being cute on stage, right? But she she was so she was supportive. Yeah, I mean she she liked the, she liked that kind of stuff when she was a kid. So she was very supportive of that that's for sure. Cool. That's and that's not common for like Chinese moms at uh, all. Yeah. You know, so she was very supportive of that. So when I when I was in Canada a couple years later, I was growing like a shoe size a month. So I was becoming a very very tall dude. And my mom told me like I don't want you to be a bumbling idiot. So I want to put you in dance class. Hmm. Uh and so I, imagine how many more bones you would have broken skiing if you hadn't been in dance class. <laughs> I, so, so I tried. She's saving you a lot. Of maybe, pain. maybe, maybe. Uh, I did have a pretty bad fall in, in Canada when I was learning how to ski. That's for sure. Um, I landed on a, on an ice, a, a chunk of ice on my head. Oof. That was not cool. But whatever. It's, it, it was okay. Um, so I, she put me in ballet class. It was like weird for all of 30 seconds, and then I just loved it. I mean, I I, did, I didn't wear the right thing. I didn't do it. I mean, but just like, I like moving. I like yeah. the physicality of moving, music, putting movement to music, and so uh, I eventually ended up in a uh, semi-professional program in Canada, where one of my peers from the smaller local school went also. And I started, so my mom's like, okay, you follow that guy, go go with him to the bigger school, and you know, and so they actually put out some dancers who are. Um, you know, well known in in a sense, and 
one of the girls got into ABT core here in New York and you know American Ballet Theater mm -hmm. one of the other guys um, Alex Wong he actually ended up on I think um, I think it's so you can so you think you can dance one of those like TV shows and can I ask when you were in England and Canada growing up were you sort of like in a more Asian community or were you no, it was not really. Cause sometimes I mean, cer cer certainly my mom's friends have like there's more Asian friends in my mom's community. So, mm -hmm. but like at school, uh, you know, I would try to like hang out with the uh, one other Asian kid, <laughs> right? And then he ended up bullying me a little bit. Oh, so I'm like, is that uh, before the growth spurt? That was way before the growth spurt. <laughs> I was I was tiny. Yeah, no. No, because it was just like, you know, he, he, I guess for him, it was just like he never had anyone else to connect to. So he wanted to seem superior. Mm. And it wasn't like, like, a, like a really bad way of bullying or anything like that. But just like he seems more cocky, I guess. Right. And, yeah. you know, like kind of put you down a little bit every now and then, making sure you know that he's on top kind of thing. Right. But it was, just, it was just funny, like how, how that went, right? I mean, in England, I was kind of in the hood I guess, but because there were like fights every single recess, every single lunchtime, there was like crazy shit going on wow. all the time. You know, one time I opened a door for somebody and they just punched me in the gut. Jesus, <laughs> that was a a dude, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but the girls were scrapped too. They, oh they, no, yeah. I mean nowadays if you do open a door for a woman, she might punch you in the gut too. Oh, different <laughs> reasons, I guess. But, so you're in Canada. You you're doing you're following this guy to a more more you know higher level kind of yeah higher level semi-professional uh -huh. you know professional training uh, situation uh 14 hours a week just basically dancing instead of gym class cool. so um that was primarily ballet and then when i came here um I was in like one of the lowest rated schools in Queens. And you're still in high school at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I had to I had to basically repeat 10th grade because uh, I, I left in the middle or something like that. And it was like, uh, I felt like I was in prison. I went to the like the counselor at lunchtime crying because like I felt so restricted. Because uh, in Canada, it was like, it was just free. You just do whatever you want. And then here is like, you can't listen to music during recess or lunch hour when you're sitting there by yourself like mm. that's that's how restricted it was right uh and i felt like it was just too much cultural shock or whatever you know and so luckily I, my mom got me into a performing arts school in manhattan cool. so the professional performing arts school on 48th and 8th um very very small school mm. it's like the mini laguardia of high schools like performing arts high schools mm -hmm. So we kind of like to compete with them a little bit in, in, our, in our, you know, because uh, they have so many kids in LaGuardia that they don't get to perform right away. Whereas we can perform like seniors and juniors and freshmen all perform together. You know, you, you go audition and you can perform for, 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 for the shows. And so here I was in, I was in dance, uh, a junior dance class thing with Alvin Ailey program for the kids. And then uh, eventually I had knee surgery. Uh, because I basically was trained wrong at, mm. through ballet, and so for all the you know tall, potentially tall people out there, you know you gotta you gotta do some strength training when you're when you're growing up because because it really can screw up your joints if you're not taking care of it. You know. Well, you were also growing fast. I was growing fast, so. but but just the way I was training. Yeah. You know, ballet you're you're not lifting weights, right? And so you're not building the muscles around the the things that you really need, mm -hmm. right? Um, I saw you post on the other day, just to break off a little bit, mm. that you're deadlifting, what, 275? 
Yeah, yeah. So I no, it's it's getting there. I mean, it's still like for the lifting community, that's still like nothing because I'm still a newbie, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, since I broke my ankle, uh, I know that deadlifting is basically the only remedy for my ankle pain for the rest of my life. Hmm. Nothing else is going to help as much as just lifting, right. uh, because the deadlift is the entire lower back, lower leg, all that, sh- the whole chain is working mm-hmm. to, to push, you know, get that weight off the ground. And it just strengthens everything related to walking, basically. And so I have, I'm much stronger skiing. When I'm dancing, I have less pain. I can go a lot longer when, I, when I'm working out. And it's just so much better. Hmm. And so I just I, have to deadlift for the rest I of my life. I got up to 205 last spring. Um, and on my last day of this set routine, mm-hmm. it was a three-month routine, and mm-hmm. I was religious. I was five days a week in the gym. It was great. The very last day, the very last set, I pulled my back out. Oh. Because I went to like 215 because I was like, all right, did you, did one more. Did you have more. a belt or anything? No. No. That, that's, yeah, and yeah. I, I don't weigh. <laughs> like, you're a big guy. No, like. I, I know. I know. I certainly have some mechanical advantage on that. But I did but. go with, um, I worked briefly with Adriana Salgado, the tango dancer, who's a personal trainer, and she yeah. was... I mean, I don't deadlift anymore for a while. I'm still like taking it easy, but yeah, yeah. I just went with. I just went. I got a little too cocky that day. Yeah, and no, that that's the that's how that, like pop. That's how I screw up in skiing. Is you get cocky after three, you know, even one p.m. in skiing, mm-hmm. you you get you get screwed up. So you're at this high school. Mm-hmm. Did this lead you to Hunter? Uh, kind of. So uh, I came to Hunter via a. Uh, acting program so i went from uh, professional performing arts school to amda so the uh, american music and dramatic uh, arts thing like in it used to be on like 73rd and broadway something around there but they might have moved but it's one of those you know uh pretty well recognized musical theater and acting schools and your mom has been supporting you oh yeah that's great man yeah yeah, yeah. i was talking with dagny about this last week on the podcast about how how important that is for children to have that support yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you know, it's it's just one of those things that is very not common. I mean, she, my mom is not a traditional woman in the sense at all for her generation. You know, she's she's the first one that got out. She's the one that you know, out of a thousand people, got into like college hmm. back in those days. You know, uh, I think uh, you were supposed to graduate high school and you were sent off by the government to work in a, a village or something like that. It's basically to better the country as a whole. Uh, and so you get work experience, and then when you come back, a lot of people would just go back to some factory and start working, right, and just start a family or whatever. She went to college. She, went, she was, like, wanted to continue her education. And, yeah, she's the one that took my dad out. Back in those days, like, everybody just assumed my dad took her out. Huh. Right, and it's sort of just one of those points of pride that she always was like, you know, I was the one that took the family out, uh, and it wasn't like a political thing in terms of you know leaving the country and not going back. It was just a matter of opportunity. Nowadays, people have money in China, you can travel, you can go outside and come back, or we'll do whatever the hell you want. Right, back in those days, you leave the country, there's no opportunity ever mm-hmm. to leave the country. So when you do have an opportunity for for educational purposes, many people don't go back. I see. You know, and that's just how she kind of. You know, and then she just uh, wanted me to pursue that more, I guess, uh, and just m- moving ever, ever t- closer towards the states because the states is where entertainment and theater and film or whatever is. Right. So, what led you to that 
Tango class. We're we're not quite there uh, yet. Yeah, well, so no, it's it's about there. I mean, like I did the acting conservatory for two years, and then I found out I can't actually work in the states as an actor. Oh, because <laughs> you're can- Canadian. Yeah, because I was I was gonna go back to Canada for a um, sound engineering thing, because I was a sound engineer kind of more so than um, a better as good of an actor, um, and then I decided to stay. Started a hip hop record label that didn't really go anywhere. Um, went to my get my MBA. Well, no, that was later. It was during Hunter. That's that's, that's when that was happening. Uh, but it was the day. It was like the week after I graduated Hunter. I went back to the gym because it was free gym uh, for alumni, and I saw a flyer on the wall for the Hunter Tango Club. That's how I got in. That's that's the start of my thing. Sorry, <laughs> nothing nothing crazy, nothing so romantic. But we still didn't answer the question about Nuevo Tango. Ah, okay. So Just I'm, curious. I know, I know, I, I kind of go off tangents. I'm no, sorry. no, we, we started with that, and I think I might have gone. No, off it's all good. It's all good. Whatever. I apologize. Uh, so yeah, I am actually, actually am pretty passionate about Nuevo, especially back in those days, because it is uh, closer to the forms of movement that I did before. And what I think Nuevo is may have changed between, you know, since the last 10 years. And I know, I know it's lost, less popular or whatever, but for me as a form of tango, it is, um, in my opinion, like the best form of dance from a technical standpoint. Hmm. In the, uh, not, 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 not tango related. I'm talking about right. from, the fact that, from the fact that uh, as a social dance, Tango as a framework, right? It's simple. You have forward, back, left, right, pivot, basically, and that's it. It's very simple, uh, basic, but it is completely led and followed, and then you have this conversation between the partnership. Whereas other dance styles, you sort of break off, do your own thing, come back together. Uh, yeah. So when, when you have this connection of, of physical lead and follow, or whatever you want to call it, and this framework of just forward, back, left, right, pivot, maybe a diagonal or whatever, um, you can put, you can inject pretty much any style you want into that basic dance framework, right? So you can put hip-hop into that framework. You can put Latin in, you know, into that framework. You can put some swing, some rock, some whatever into that framework. So at the beginning... I know a lot of you know your your guests or other people's you know listeners have experiences. They fell in love with the music of tango, and that's what sort of drawn them into tango. For me, it was not that at all. Mm-hmm. For me now, like currently, I am obsessed with the music of tango. But that's not where I started at all. For me, it was a the ability to move in a very free way while structured. The structure is that you move in a circle around the room. The structure is that you don't hit anybody going around the circle. But within that structure of just moving forward, back, left, right, and pivot, you have so much possibilities. And what's probably more interesting for me is that I used to have other, I, I used to dance other people's choreography. Mm-hmm. Now we create it in the yeah. moment. And that's, that's awesome. That's interesting. That's just awesome. And so th- that idea kind of really resonated me. And also, I was just scared shitless of traditional, to be honest. <laughs> I was super scared of traditional. I agree. I mean, I agree in, a, in my own way of putting it, where it's the freedom to communicate within a structure is much greater. 
in the so-called quote-unquote Nuevo. But sometimes people ask me if, if it, I think it's based on the music choice, and that's where I don't agree. Hmm. Because you can dance traditional tango to non-tango music, and you can dance Nuevo to tango music, because mm -hmm. and actually that happens more often than not. Mm -hmm. So, because some people think that it's all based on the music, like, oh, that's the Nuevo room, that's where they're dancing Nuevo. And it's like, well, that's because you hear that music in there, you think it's Nuevo. But mm. most of the people in there, A, they're not even dancing any form of tango at all. <laughs> or they're dancing straight up traditional to Nuevo yeah, music to Nuevo or whatever music. you want to call it. Or they are dancing more modern style. But I, I, it's because for me, like, uh, there's some music that is salon style tango and some yeah. music that's milonguero style for tango. Sure. And, you, and you have groups of people that dance literally to those styles. Yeah. And I think Nuevo is the one that doesn't really fit in any of that right box it's right. whether it's but, musically or uh structurally as but interestingly i just i just i just thought of that about this like have we ever seen a nuevo dancer dance in like close close embrace with a very straight sort of i've seen the people that i would be more apt to calling nuevo dance that way but they would probably dance that way the whole song okay you know yeah. what i mean like if yeah, i see yeah. chicho dance that way yeah he's gonna stick with that See, for me, it's like, you know, my my tangle journey sort of took a pivot uh, in my seventh year or so, 2016, I think it was. You know, speaking of Chicho, I went to uh, Baltimore. He was there for both the Charm City and the Element thing, and he gave a Q&A at both, one by himself with uh, Juana and then uh, one with him and uh, Javier Rodriguez, right? And so... It, it, it kind of like that. I call that year my tango renaissance because like it, it was my seventh year where you learn that you know nothing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and for me though, around that time actually, I sort of started to make more of a distinction between what I did in the Nueva room and tango. So I don't necessarily consider what I like to do in a Nuevo room. Uh, I don't really consider that tango in a sense because. For me, it's more about like a like a tango fusion. Hmm. You're taking the basic structure of the tango movements, and then hopefully you can relate to the music, whatever it is. It could be again hip hop, pop, a little bit of blues, Latin, whatever it is, and you play with that music in a tango framework, mm -hmm. right? And so there's lo different levels of fusion, right? you can literally just dance Salon or Melonguero to a new song that's not Salon or Melonguero style music. You know, you can dance to a pop song in those same, you know, style of physicality. That's one level. And then two, you can maybe, you know, dance to new music, but also start to inject elements of that musical style into it. Uh, and then you can just push that boundary further and further, basically. Yeah, I mean, going back to your question, I do think most dancers blend everything now. Mm. Because we don't have teachers anymore. And I'm talking not not New York. I'm talking mainly from what I in Buenos Aires. Like The teachers nowadays don't come from a background of like, this one guy is my master, and he right. only teaches this style. Yeah. Those guys are gone. Those women are gone for the men and women. Like for the most part, they're not existent anymore, mm -hmm. and we don't have a lot of documentation. There's some old videos, but they never really codified what they taught. Sure. So that that whole structure is pretty much gone. There's some 
uh, like Anton Gazenbeek, who was like, you know, the, the disciple of mm-hmm. uh, Todaro and, and Bravo. Or, but, but in general, we are learning pieces from everywhere. Everywhere, And yeah. we're just blending it. We're like one of the 52 whiskey blends you made or whatever. Yeah. You know, no, like, I, I, I get that, right? So we could say I dance this or this style. And I hear people put themselves in those boxes all the time, which I feel bad for, actually. Um, but I like to think that we just we have a structure forward side backside and and the pivots and yeah, cross yeah, yeah. and then we kind of take that where we want to put our we want to have a better line we want to have less line we want to have more elasticity last yeah, less elasticity yeah, yeah. all of those things the and they change day yeah. to day oh, yeah. and anytime we try to kind of like quantify it with a word i think we're just kind of like cutting ourselves off like well, anytime you kind of put art in a box you kind of limit what it could do next <laughs> So if you say, like, I only dance this, it's like you're just basically telling yourself you only do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and people say it out of pride. But then you're like, well, well you do realize you just said you only eat chicken. I mean, like, or you only yeah, listen yeah. to this music. But I, I feel like right now in my personal development, it's like I am drawn more to one thing or another. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, it's just, just like whiskey, right? Just like whiskey and tango and everything else in life. It's like you, you build preferences or even as you develop new ideas of what things are possible, you, you still like what this or you like that, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I come from a very Nuevo background and, you know, performance dance background. Um, but over the last, you know, probably three or four years, I've gotten much more into traditional, much more into close embrace. Um, I don't know which year it was, but um, I, I remember dancing with Chuko at one of your uh, uh, other events, and it just didn't work. Like, it was a class kind of thing. It wasn't like a, you know, a social thing, but it was a class thing. We tried it for a second, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then a couple, year, a couple of years later, I guess, it just magically worked, and I don't know how it worked but yeah. it just did right and then i just continued to you know grow on that and i in, i learned to enjoy it more i it's like now i understand oh the hug that's what it's about it's mm-hmm. like i understand that and so the feeling of that closeness that intimacy that hug that walk it's a very different feeling that i enjoy different from what i enjoy in a nuevo room right yeah and it's just like i enjoy bourbon and i enjoy scotch Right, but at the end of the day, they're both whiskeys. Uh-huh. Right, they're different tasting, different characters. You can you can learn about their histories are different, their development is different, they're aged differently. Well, one's younger than the other for sure, and and in a way, that's how I now appreciate tango on both sides of the spectrum. Is that you know whether I'm dancing with somebody who's more on this side or the other side, I can adapt and have fun. Yeah, dancing with whoever basically. Yeah, that's been my. I didn't mean to say like you put yourself in a box by saying you only danced one way. By the way, oh I no, was just, no, 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 no. I was just thinking about those kind of people that I sure kind of inc- I like <laughs> you know they annoy me because they they're the, t- the going back to what I said. We don't really have a style anymore, um, yeah. except that it's sort of all styles. Yeah, it's, it's all. And it's then all when on I hear floor. people say like, "Oh, I only dance traditional," and I'm like. What does that even mean anymore? I mean, I mean I'll you, sit you, down with those people and have a podcast and they can explain to me what they think it means and that's great, but to me traditional is is something that we just don't have a reference point back to in tango so much. Well, I I think for the most people it's just the traditional music, right? And then, you know, I haven't 
uh, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, the Encuentros or something like the that. The Encuentros? Yeah. yeah. So I haven't been to one of those things, but I hear they're popular in Europe or something like that. And it's just very, very sort of, you know, restricted in terms of what your movements are and, the, the, you know, being very careful about the floor, which can be very nice if, you're, if that's the feeling that you're going for in that moment. But for me, it's like I enjoy that a lot right now, but I also, you know, can find happiness and joy and movement and freedom in the other things. So, you know, um, while I do think right now for me, I'm probably more on the quote-unquote traditional side of the equation. Um, it, 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 I don't think anything, you know, when I see like some memes or something like that poking fun at Nuevo stuff on, on the Facebook or whatever, it's just like, yeah, I, I kind of get why people make fun of it, but at the same time, it's like that's an area you can explore. Yeah. Just as movement, they can all as be a dance. Explored, yeah. As a dance, as a movement, it, because it creates a different feeling, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think out of my top tandas in the world that I've traveled in this last couple of years, you know, most of them, all of the top ones are going to be close embrace, traditional, walking, doing basically nothing on the dance floor. And it felt amazing, right? But there's a couple of them when I was dancing uh, open embrace, Nuevo music, where there's such a, a connection, even though we are less physically connected, where I can move an inch in my shoulder and then she'll respond with something else and we just feed off of each other in creativity and movement in that way, it was amazing too. Yeah, the dynamic is just different. It's, it's almost yeah. like comparing Michael Jordan to LeBron James, like, and everybody wants to. But <laughs> you can't really compare the, the qualities of close embrace versus open embrace because they both have their own dynamic energy and they're both subtleties and in things you exchange creation you exchange with your partner yeah you it's 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 almost just like let it be and let's enjoy it for what it is right you know and and i think it's eventually up to the community and organizers to sort of you know decide what is most preferred right i mean uh because i was i was with I was with you for the first year, every every class, every malanga, every day uh, for the first year. And then I think I went to grad school or something like that, and I couldn't come all the time afterwards. I just came dance socially. Um, and then, you know, as T- Nuevo started to fade out a little bit, you know, I was seeking other places to sort of, you know, that, that kind of music because I was still scared of traditional for a long time. Um, you know, and then it took a long, long time for sort of for me to get you know, comfortable in the traditional dance floor. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's just intimidation. I mean, maybe it is. Or maybe it was the intimacy. I think it's probably that because there was one girl who was here in Tango Cafe. I don't think she's from New York. Maybe she's from France or something like that. Um, We danced very well in the Nueva Room a couple times. And then she told me, what you do in the Nueva Room is your wall. This is the wall that you build to mm. shield yourself from, mm. from the inside, right? And I thought about that for a second, and I was like, that's kind of true. Like, I'm very comfortable in the Nueva Room. I do whatever, you know, what I can and what I want. I'm very happy, and I'm comfortable there. Uh, and I'm not comfortable connecting as a person to another person on a much more intimate level in that sen- at that time. Mm. And so she took me to the traditional room. 
We got in the close embrace, and I felt my neck shaking huh. like crazy. And we danced, and it was just like this crazy, crazy, you know, like half a tonda. And, you know, I was, I was like sort of emotional. I wasn't sure what the hell was going on. I mean, you know, she was very attractive, and I was sort of into her a little bit too. But so, like, I thought about it, and it was um, like the only word I could use to describe it was love. It wasn't a, like, sexual or necessarily romantic thing, but it was just that it was the closest thing I could describe that feeling of intimacy, of connection, of whatever you want to call it. You know, it's all cliche nowadays, but still, mm-hmm. it, it definitely, um, you know, put a, put, a, put a sign up there and says, like, this is not what you're used to. This is, this is, but it's interesting. So was sure. that, uh, not specifically in her case, but in your, f- after that happened, were you kind of inspired to, were you like excited again? I don't know. I hit, I seem to hit walls sometimes and yeah. then I'll go out dancing and something will happen and it could, the longer you dance, the less often it happens. Right. No, but I when it that. does, you're like, oh yeah, wow, this yeah, is great. Yeah. You know, um, I think I was still scared for a long time after that, but I was definitely like, maybe I'll poke into the traditional room twice a night mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of zero or one at best, you know? And, and you know, I, I don't know if this is like this in other small communities or, or, or bigger communities, I don't know. But uh, like Cabaseo for me was a huge challenge. You know, I tried it when I was, when I was starting out, but I, I, I really couldn't. Like it was super intimidating for mm-hmm. me. And so, um, you know, when I traveled later on, I very much stuck with that for sure. But at the beginning, you know, it, it was a little bit more of a relief to be able to like ask somebody. Um, I know it's sort of against the rules and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, I feel like for a lot of people, like cut them a little slack here, right? We don't grow up in that culture. Like it's not right. a thing for us. Yeah. And so for a lot of guys to, to sort of adapt to that quickly, it's very, very intimidating. And also you can say what a calisale is. You can say, look at a person. If they nod back, dance. If they don't nod back, they look away, don't dance. But that initial moment of trying to look at somebody you know it's, it's the same thing about yeah, no it's, it's it was terrifying it's terrifying yeah it's terrifying and so like, I, I get it and i use it i've been dancing a long time every night of the week so i'm totally comfortable with it now oh, yeah. but i remember when i was 22 and i never even looked at a girl <laughs> unless you know we happened to meet somehow yeah 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 I'm not that guy at that, especially at that age. You would like, because you have to kind of be that guy who was comfortable yeah, enough to no, go to a bar and like sure. look at a girl exactly. from across the room. And it's that was, the same thing. That was not me it's at that same age. Thing. You know, like I'm not that guy that goes to a bar and pick up some girls or whatever either. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll look around the room and see who's there, but I'm not. I'm not going to stare at somebody. Yeah. Like first of all, you're told not to stare at people anyway because it's weird, right? <laughs> I mean, because it is. Yeah. It is. Especially in, in this culture, in this place, it's like, you know, don't stare at people. And also in New York, too. It's like, I was told by uh, my, 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 my ballet friend, his dad is from New York. And before I came here, I got a lecture from them. Never look at anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Get home. All, like, you know, cause they grew up in the 80s and something. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a much more different time back then. So, like, I totally came over here with, like, the mentality of, like, me talk to no one. Yeah. You yeah. know? look at no one and so i think that is part of uh, also a new york thing too so 
you know, I, I get it. Like, I, you know, I have friends and students who, who are just starting out in tango and, you know, I tell them try. But like, I also get it that like sometimes they just can't and it's going to take time. It's really going to take time. And so, um, you know, as a as a community, you know, uh, like the whiskey community that I'm in. So shout out to the whiskey tribe. <laughs> These guys on in Austin, Texas, and like has a huge YouTube channel. And they have a group on Facebook. And the number one rule in uh, uh, in the whiskey tribe is that the whiskey, the best whiskey is the one you like to drink and the way you like to drink it. Hmm. Right. It's like they don't they don't shit on people's individual preferences and opinions. Hmm. It's like you can you can like this whiskey or I, and I can like this whiskey. And that's okay, mm-hmm. right? But we're all here together in this community because we are enthused about whiskey, right? Right. And the same thing I think should happen in any hobby club or group of people, where you cut off all the all the politics, the drama, and all of that nonsense. It's just like we're here because we enjoy this thing that we all like, yeah. right? We're all at different places. It's no, there's no place for me being more experienced than shit on someone who's new just because they are new, right? Because we all came from those places. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're, you know, we're not there anymore, but we want to encourage them to understand these new things. We want to encourage them to learn for sure. But, you know, like, but just like the Nuevo, for example, I know that not everybody, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Right, Nuevo is not everybody's cup of tea. There's no giant leading step uh, uh, within the community to drive Nuevo, which is fine. That's just how the the market, the you know, the community sort of evolved. But if you're if you're shitting on on Nuevo, for example, maybe if they were doing that ten years ago, I I might I might not be here. I right. might not yeah, be yeah, enjoying yeah. tango for what it is right now because I was too scared, you know, for you know, not even well, maybe even four years ago. But you could even broaden that. Like we're all sharing this enthusiasm for tango, but as somebody who works like here in a dance studio, we all share uh, an enthusiasm for dance. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you know, the owners Tammy, who happens to be in here. But in the past, we've talked about it. it's like we don't want to hear you shitting on other people's dance styles because that's not how you like to dance. Yeah. Because it's also just it's all tearing it apart eventually you know and it's just i think in tango sometimes we get plus it tends to like attract a certain type of crowd might feel a little bit more arrogant or whatever but then they assume like they have that they're the way this is the right way and i i i hope i project and and promote in our in our classes with chico and i that we're we just want to help our students find what works for them through whatever guidance we can provide and not try to indoctrinate them into feeling like yeah. this has to be one way or the other. And I've always gravitated towards teachers like that that help me kind of flesh out what I want to do with my dance. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like a, a lot of uh, my own personal uh, m- way, I guess, is, is, a, is building off of some of the ways that you guys teach, right? Back in those days, you were very personable, very, you know, attentive to your students and you know, I haven't taken class with you guys recently, but I'm actually might come back. We don't, we don't teach like that anymore. No, you're you're just total <laughs> assholes to your students. Is that is that how it goes now? We're just too cool now. It's like you got you got six weeks, do stuff. <laughs> once know. they pay us, it's yeah, fine. Once, it's like you don't get your money back. Mm-hmm. So so like you know, I tend to be more of that style a little bit more. I mean, obviously, I feel like I have my own flair or whatever you want to sure, call yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like. 
for me, it's 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 uh, tango is just a lot of gray, and that's you know you I revel in that. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. It's this is the one dance for me personally. It's not black and white, mm-hmm. because like, you know, I'm not trying to shit on other dances. I'm trying to call out the differences between dances, right? Like for me, I like to watch salsa. I don't like to do salsa. Well, one because I can't. I don't have the stamina for it because it just it's too exciting, right? I like to watch the energy, the movement of salsa. It's very exciting to watch. Um, but like, if if you dance on, off the beat, you're done. Right. If you dance off of it, like I mean, at least that's what they teach you in class. It's like you have to be on that rhythm. You have to be on that beat. And if you're not, you're kind of screwed, and your and your partner might think poorly of you or something. I don't know. Uh, but like for me, it's just that when I when I tried the the beginner tango classes versus the beginner salsa classes when I was in Hunter, I felt that freedom yeah. in tango, where it's like because of the simplistic nature of the form itself. And, and the simplistic nature of the vocabulary, especially at the beginning, there is so much more freedom to do whatever you want to do. Right? And they and actually I, teach you to not dance on the beat. <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny. Well, like, which is, I remember the first time I took a class on that, and I was like, all right, this is getting out of control. It is. And I <laughs> love it. Which I love it. it, yeah. I love it. You <laughs> know, because, like, we, we, were both, we were both at uh, Cleveland for the Horacio thing, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's just like, oh, my God. Like, the, the moment he said... Uh, what is it? You, the, the melody does not start on the beat. It blew my mind. Now it's like I can't not hear that. Yeah, no, I know. I've been. That was a moment recently where I was like happy, new doors open. Yeah, me too. I feel me like too. I got. You know, it's easy to get stagnant the longer you do something. Sure. You know? I'm always impressed with him because he comes every. You know, we've worked with him a long time, but he's always evolving his ideas, and and I I really appreciate that as somebody who's a student of his because. Yeah. Some teachers I worked with, I stopped because, you know, not, no offense to them, but they're they're just teaching the same thing, and I don't assume they shouldn't because it's hard to keep well doing I mean, that. But I, I was mean, I've always been impressed that he's sort hopefully of your changing. students grow out of you in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so this is this is this is like I don't tell my students this necessarily, I, but I think it right. My job is to never see you again in class. <laughs> that is my job. Yeah. Right. The, the the thing is, is that but my my other part of the job is that I have to continuously come up with new things so that you will stay in class. Yeah. As yeah. a teacher. Right. But my job is to get you out there on the social dance floor. Mm-hmm. My job is to get you good enough to go out there to, to have fun by yourself and do your own thing. Right. And I have to challenge myself as a teacher, as a person to grow beyond that so that you have something to come back to. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, I just tell, I tell my students that, um, and I thought about this a while ago, it's like, because, because of the situation that I'm in, I'm, I'm in a Groupon shop, it's just like, uh, hopefully I can impart some information so that when you go to take classes with better teachers, that you're not wasting your money, right? Because I've, I've also, you know, been traveling, I've been taking classes, workshops, and all that kind of stuff on the, on the circuit, and I do see a lot of people, I think, that are wasting their money in those, you know, festival classes sometimes, because you know either they're not aware of the the system that they're teaching that the teachers are teaching in or they're just not open to new ideas or whatever it is and so i hope to impart my students a little bit of a broader uh, uh array of information so that when they get better teachers than me they can really you know 
m- have the foundation. Make, yeah, have yeah. something to, you know, it's like, oh yeah, kind of, that kind of reminds me of that one thing, and mm-hmm. and I can now relate to how to incorporate this into my own dance. Because yeah. the last thing I want anybody to do is spend three hundred dollars and then just forget it the next day, you know, because I I've certainly done that myself, and then it wasn't until that same year, two thousand sixteen, with the Chicho class. I, I learned how to learn. Mm. And that was the most important thing I got out of that class. We did some ganchos or something like that. I don't remember a damn thing about that. Right. But I learned how to learn. And that's the most valuable lesson that entire six classes. It was like five classes with Chicho. And then the sixth class was another gentleman. And I forgot his name. We were doing some Malanga stuff. I was thankfully working with a lady who was very open to experiment and play. And, and uh, in that moment after taking Chicho's classes and I figured out how I learn, I could listen to the uh, material that the teacher was giving us and before he even finished saying the combination, I could see five different variations from that mm. because I learned but the But do root. you feel that, uh, we have to wrap it up, they're uh, gonna okay. need the room, but do you, have, do you feel like also, it just took that much time ahead of the 2016 benchmark to learn enough about tango, you're, role in it or your understanding of it to be able to learn how to learn do you know what i mean well to know what of, you were learning when you were receiving kind the information of, because that particular moment it actually went back to my stage combat class in acting school in stage combat you're swinging you know 25 pound swords around each other so it's not safe environment so you have to be safe and so what we did was we practiced one part of a sequence a couple of times until we actually got it. We would do it at 20% speed, mm-hmm. 50% speed, 75% speed until we really got comfortable. The muscles got into it where you're able to handle it at full speed. And we would do that section, put it in a box and put it away. And then you'd work on the next section, do the same thing, slowly build up your competency in that next section. And then by the end of the day, you would have five or six different boxes that you would just chain together and boom, you instantly have the entire sequence. Mm. You're not learning the sequence as a whole. You're learning the parts. And so you can really focus on the individual moments that are crucial to the success of one box, one movement set, that would then help set up the next box, the next movement set. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of, I never thought about it before that, and I sort of recalled that moment of like, uh, like when I was in Chicho's class, I was like, Oh yeah, I used to do this kind of stuff. Why don't I? Why didn't I do this the last, you know, six years or whatever that I was learning tango? And I was like, oh yeah, okay. So now, uh, when I'm taking class, I don't. I'm not looking necessarily at the whole picture of what the teacher is trying to teach me. I'm looking for like the one or two things that will make or break that sequence, that movement, that whatever it is that they're trying to teach us. <laughs> and so, if I can understand that one thing. First of all, I'm more likely to retain it for the next, for the future, and incorporate it into my own dance. But it's like those few moments, transitions, or whatever, like the distance of your step to your partner on a cross, on a beginner, you know, just a standard parallel system cross. If your foot's too far this way, that way, whatever, it will screw up the setup for the next thing. And so for me, that's the key moment. And I'm looking for these keys as I'm learning. I'm not looking at the whole thing anymore. And, so, and that's really helped for me. I mean, it may be different for everybody else, but for me, it really helped accelerate No, I, I, I totally understand. I get what you mean. Like, uh, you have to know how to narrow in what you're 
what you what you need to get you to the next place, but you need to know what the next place is you're trying to get to. And sure. And I think that's why I think you know going back to my comment, I think it takes a couple of years of just trying to absorb everything. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Before you're like, because you don't know what you you're, don't know. You yeah. don't know what you're trying to see that's missing. Yeah. Until yeah. you know what's there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to have all this basis first. Yeah. So yeah. then sort of pinpoint where you're now, what you're seeking out. And I can, I feel that way, you know, when I'm training now or studying with somebody now, I'll watch what's happening or I'll, you know, be in the lesson. And then I'm not, I'm just going in. I know exactly what I want to narrow in on for yeah. myself now. And whereas well, in the past, I would try to like take it all. Yeah. And but then I, I would not get I anything. I feel like, I feel like that's just a method of like learning though. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe, I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't, but like maybe not an absolute beginner, you know, but I think even people who are relatively uh, low in experience in anything can sort of take these sort of ideas and see if they will work better for their own learning just as a method of learning, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if it doesn't work, then don't, don't, don't use it, right? You know, that's, that's of course, like if it doesn't work for you, don't use it. It's just a tool, a learning tool for me, right? Um, but yeah, so... But I, I do understand that, you know, you're going to need to have like a basic foundation first just so you kn- you can, you know, look at w- w- something and then say, OK, that's that's the key moment because mm-hmm. you're not going to I- be able to identify the key moments right, right. until you've actually started to do that. Right. And so, you know, the, the whole teaching thing has really helped me with my own development for sure. You know, in, in that sense, just working with people all the time and just being there. Uh, identifying what the quirks are in the body and things like that. And and it's helped me tremendously. That's cool, man. Well, I could go on forever, but (laughs) we have five minutes to vacate the room. Yeah. But I appreciate you taking the time to come and have a drink and a chat. And say hi to your mom, who I've never met, but she sounds like a fabulous person. (laughs) Don't make me laugh when I'm drinking whiskey. <laughs> it goes down the wrong pipe. All right. Okay, yeah, you thank soon? you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I was actually very excited, kind of nervous, and it's, I think it's, it's a great talking to you. I'd like yeah, yeah, we, I literally could keep going, but I, yeah, I literally yeah. have to leave the room. Yeah, but uh, I feel like it progressed really well. <laughs> All right, cool, so I man. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, mate. Bye. Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal is literally why I'm sitting here right now speaking to Adam Hoopengardner. I don't think I don't think there's a better way to say anything. <laughs> that is just hilarious. Um we all have our interesting introductions to how we've uh stumbled into the creative arts or tango specifically or what led us, you know, to somehow end up all here listening to this podcast and talking about tango. But uh, Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal, I will never forget that story. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll be back soon. We have some guests lined up, but we haven't recorded them yet. Um, I might squeeze one in Monday when I la- after I land from Atlanta. Maybe. We'll see. Um, but until then, enjoy dancing, enjoy your lives, and be well, everybody. Thanks again.